This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, November 24th. Coming up, we'll hear how some Missouri homeowners are trying to address racial covenants that banned non-white people from buying homes. The covenants are now illegal, but they're still tied to tens of thousands of properties. To see that no Negroes or no Jewish people allowed, that does a certain violence to one's spirit. But first, Kevin Strickland is now free. KCUR's Luke Martin reports a judge yesterday exonerated the Kansas City man who had spent 43 years in prison for a triple murder in 1978. When the moment came, Strickland told reporters gathered outside the prison that he was watching a soap opera. Then a newsflash came across the screen, and he learned Judge James Welsh had set aside his decades-old conviction. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Other inmates started hollering, and I heard them beating on walls and carrying on. Strickland was convicted as an 18-year-old of a triple murder in South Kansas City, but there was never any physical evidence linking him to the crime. The key witness against him tried for years to recant her testimony. She told friends and family that police at the time pressured her into identifying Strickland. Strickland's is the longest wrongful imprisonment in Missouri and among the longest in the country. A small group of well-wishers turned out to watch Kevin Strickland get his first taste of freedom. Robert Nelson said he spent 30 years with Strickland in prison before he was exonerated through a DNA test. He pulled up in a pickup outside the Western Missouri Correctional Center in Cameron to catch a glimpse of his friend. Robert says he's happy for Strickland, but concerned for his future. He did all that time, and he ain't gonna have anything when he get out. It's, it's gonna be hard for him. Nelson said that during his time in prison, Strickland stayed upbeat but spent a lot of time in the library and working out. The Midwest Innocence Project helped Strickland in his case. Legal Director Trisha Bushnell said she was ecstatic. As we've always said, we think that any court that was given the opportunity to see this evidence would find that Mr. Strickland is innocent. But she also said the case showed how difficult the exoneration process is. Even when the prosecutor is on your side, it took months and months for Mr. Strickland to come home. And he's still going to come home to a system that will not provide him any compensation for the 43 years that he's lost. Missouri is one of 14 states that does not compensate wrongfully convicted prisoners. At least one person has confirmed to KCUR that Kansas City Police Chief Rick Smith has been asked to step down, but details about his upcoming departure are still unclear. More from KCUR's Peggy Lowe. Gwen Grant, president of the Urban League of Greater Kansas City, told KCUR that the Kansas City Board of Police Commissioners has enough votes to fire Smith. This comes just a few days after one of his detectives was convicted of involuntary manslaughter in the shooting death of a black man in 2019. Civil rights groups have long called for Smith's ouster. Mayor Quentin Lucas wouldn't comment on the news. A KCPD spokeswoman says Smith has had a commitment to retire sometime next year. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly signed a bill into law yesterday that will make it harder for employers to decline a worker's request for a religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine. Abigail Sensky of the Kansas News Service reports the new law will likely be challenged in court. 
Republican leaders in the legislature say the new law pushing back on the Biden administration's vaccine mandate threads the needle between complying with the federal mandate while carving out room for stronger exemptions at the state level. But Sharon Brett, legal director with the American Civil Liberties Union of Kansas, says she's not so sure. She says the law might violate the Americans with Disabilities Act. It basically opens the door to virtually anyone being able to claim an exemption, and that could prevent employers from instituting effective mandates that actually help protect their employees who have disabilities. Courts have struck down similar laws banning mask mandates in states including Arkansas, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Coming up, how Missouri homeowners are trying to get rid of racial covenants on their homes. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This is Kansas City Today. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomeen Ujia-Dean. Thousands of property deeds in Missouri have racial covenants, which once banned people of color from buying those homes. Now those covenants are no longer legal or enforceable, but there's no easy way of removing racial covenants in Missouri. As more homeowners try to set things right, they've discovered there's no simple answers. St. Louis Public Radio's Corinne Ruff brings us this story. I meet Jason Flowers on a recent afternoon at the Land Records Department inside St. Louis City Hall. We're looking for a racially restrictive covenant that's tied to his red brick home built in 1911 in a southwest city neighborhood called Princeton Heights. We asked the clerk if she can pull it up. Hey, we wanted to look up a fucking page number. It is 2332, page 343. She returns shortly with a roll of microfilm feeds it through the archaic machine, and winds it to the right page. The document is handwritten, and it's really hard to read, but Flowers eventually finds the restrictive language. It says, lots in the subdivision, including his home, cannot be conveyed, leased to, rented to, or in any way occupied or owned by Negroes. Flowers is quiet for a while, and then he starts tearing up. I ask him what he's feeling. It's sad. And a little angry. He's white, and in some ways, having grown up in St. Louis, he's not that surprised. But he also thinks about his relatives who are biracial. It's not right. I was never right. So how do we fix it? The answer isn't simple. Unlike some states, Missouri doesn't have a process for individual homeowners to address racially restrictive language and property records. But it can be done. Kalila Jackson is a senior attorney at the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council. She's been helping people like Flowers amend racially restrictive covenants in the St. Louis region pro bono. There's not a lot of people who are familiar with the process. And if you called a random attorney, many of them probably would say, oh, well, well, this is unenforceable. You don't have to, you can just ignore it. You don't have to worry about that. But I think we know that that's, that's only half the story. 
the other half is how it makes people feel. And as a black woman, Jackson knows reading such covenants can be a traumatic experience. To see that no Negroes or no Jewish people allowed, that does a certain violence to one's spirit. Jackson says to make meaningful, large-scale change, the state needs to make the process of amending these covenants easier for homeowners. Some lawmakers are trying to do that. I'm State Representative Michael O'Donnell, and I represent uh, Oakville in the Missouri House of Representatives. O'Donnell, a Republican, introduced a bill last legislative session. It included language allowing homeowners to void racially restrictive covenants by adding a document that states they're illegal. He says it should have been done a long time ago. This is one of those things I look at it and say, this is in statute. Nobody's paying attention to it. Yeah, let's just get it out because we know this is wrong. O'Donnell wasn't able to get the bill passed last session, but he says he'll try again. At least one town in Missouri has taken matters into its own hands. Pasadena Hill started out as an exclusive subdivision built in the late 1920s with a restrictive covenant in place that barred black and Asian homeowners. Alderman Robin Titus takes me on a tour of the tiny town in northwest St. Louis County. Here's two more originals. He points to a white Spanish-style stucco home and a limestone-looking castle. That has a ballroom on the third floor. That's one that has a carriage house. Titus says residents fought to remove the racially restrictive covenant for decades as the demographics of the town changed to majority black. By the time it finally happened in 2016, he remembers feeling so-so about it. I mean, happy, but it's like it's something that should have been done decades prior. But to make the change wasn't easy. City leaders had to work with lawyers, gather support from the public, and persuade the board of trustees to pass a resolution striking the offensive language. Gino Salvati was mayor at the time. And even five years later, he says there are some lingering, uncomfortable feelings in the community. I I will say that there are people who are still mad at me about it (laughs) because they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to mess with it. But some homeowners like Shamia Reese say people need to be talking about these covenants, no matter how difficult it is. She's at St. Louis City Hall reading a document from 1925. Back then, she couldn't have bought her home in the Jeff Vanderloo neighborhood of North St. Louis. This is the part of history that doesn't change. And so when people say we don't have to deal with our past, this right here lets you know that we definitely have to deal with it. Risa seeing the covenant is heartbreaking. She explains that buying her home is one of her biggest accomplishments. And this document is proof of why she had to work so hard to become a homeowner. Whereas you can walk straight through the door, I have to walk, skip, hop, jump, roll, crawl, sometimes rest and get back up and repeat it all over again. She plans to frame the document and hang it in her home. Reese says she hopes seeing the covenant in black and white sparks conversations. If knowing the history of racially restrictive covenants is important, many argue so is understanding their long-lasting impacts. Neil Richardson is the executive director of the St. Louis Development Corporation. He says the racial wealth gap in the city traces back to covenants. You see the type of impact that's been created is we have black employees in the city of St. Louis making 48 percent of what a white employee makes. And we have home values and black zip codes being one fourth of that in white zip codes. And that all was really created intentionally and systematically Richardson says repairing that harm needs to be just as intentional. As head of the city's economic development arm, figuring out how to do that is part of his job. 
One thing that would help is getting a clearer picture of where covenants exist. That's been really difficult until now. Jackson, the fair housing attorney, worked with a University of Iowa researcher to create a map that allows residents to look up whether their home has a covenant. She says uncovering that history is a huge step in the right direction. And so the reason why it's important to know where those covenants lie, where they existed, not just to address and redress the past, right? It's also so that we can change our future. A future where an address doesn't limit opportunities. I'm Corinne Ruff. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia D. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read our coverage of Kevin Strickland's release and racial covenants in Missouri on KCUR.org. As always, you can hear Kansas City's NPR station live on the radio at 89.3 FM. If you like our show, help us out by rating and reviewing us on the podcast app of your choice or call 816-235-8930 to leave us a voicemail with your feedback. Thanks for listening and I'll see you soon.